friends, and welcome to the CU Insight Network podcast. My name is Lauren Culp. I'm the publisher and CEO at cuinsight.com. And it's my job on this show to have conversations with all of the thought leaders who support the credit union community. There are so, so many of them, and we get to identify issues that affect credit unions and together have a discussion on some of the best practices that exist so that we can all learn from one another and improve our credit unions. My guest on today's show is Bo McDonald, the president at Your Marketing Co. Super excited to talk to Bo. So let's jump right into the conversation. Bo, thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, I like to start these conversations off with a little bit of background on you. And so most of us didn't grow up thinking that someday we would get to work with credit unions. I know I didn't know what a credit union was. So I'm curious, what was it that you wanted to be growing up? So ever since middle school, I had this dream of being a radio DJ. And of course, my, my father trying to pound reality into me said, that'll never happen. That, that's only a, a small few. I got to do it when I was in high school and, and my career coming out of, of high school for a few years. I was actually a radio DJ. But I always said, I, won't be, I will be broke and happy, but I won't be broke and miserable radio DJ. You get paid squat. So when it became corporate and not so fun, that's when I went elsewhere. All right. Well, that's so cool that you actually uh, saw that childhood dream into reality and then uh, maybe went a different direction. So what was the journey like then to your current role now as the president at your marketing co working with credit unions? It's, oh gosh, it's been so many years. But when I, when I decided to leave radio, I didn't really leave radio. I got into sales. And, and as part of that, I was writing radio commercials for my clients. I had a few say, hey, I kind of like this. Will you do this for my TV commercials? Well, you helped me work on my billboards, and, and that was kind of the fun side for me. So I, uh, before I was old enough to know better, I left a, a paying job with a steady paycheck to go open my own ad agency back in 2003. And that was kind of the start of the uh, Your Marketing Company story. I spent a couple of years dabbling in, in so many different industries. And in 2008, uh, one of my first clients back in 2003 said, Hey, why don't you come do this for some other credit unions? And and that was kind of the start of getting into your marketing company. That is so cool. Well, and now today here in uh, 2022, you work with a lot of credit unions over at YMC and, and doing strategic planning, doing branding, doing marketing. So from that unique perspective, what would you say your top performing clients are doing that sets them apart from the rest? You know, it's been fun to look back at the last almost 15 years at your marketing company and see some of the folks we've worked with, those who have really excelled. And then you think about those stories that haven't turned out so well and, and those that continue to excel that, that are just kicking butt doing things that people say shouldn't, shouldn't be done right now. It's a niche. Those credit unions that are successful, they have an ideal member and they're very focused on serving them which leads them to having a very strong mission and vision. They know where they want to go. They know what they want to do. They know how they want to get there. And the third piece of that, when I look at our high-performing credit unions, is accountability. They have a great culture that's, that's focused on treating people like people and not machines. But they also have high levels of accountability of, hey, this is your job. This is our mission. This is our vision. This is your piece of this. You have to do it or you can't be a part of the team. 
Absolutely. I want to take a step back too, because so you work with all of these different credit unions. And what would you say that this isn't on the script, by the way? So we're going off the script for a second. What would you say, though, is the elevator pitch of what your marketing code does for credit unions? Because I know so many credit unions out there have heard of you, work with you. But for those that don't, you do so much more than just marketing. So what is that elevator pitch that you would give credit unions? I really there, there's so many agencies out there, and there's there's a few really good ones too that I love competing against because though we all work with credit unions, we all have a a little bit of a different expertise. And, and I always say, what we really excel in is the strategy in in understanding that there's an opportunity for your credit union. We just have to find it, and and it may be in finding that niche, it may be in refining a mission or a vision, it may just be reinvigorating a credit union. I remember one CEO, we had been working with her for about a year and it wasn't really rocket science. She had a great credit union, but she said, with you coming in with with some fresh ideas, asking some questions, getting us thinking about our organization, I'm actually having fun with this again. So, So to me, it's all about the strategy and being intentional about what we do. Everything goes back to KPIs. What are those goals that, that your board has set uh, and how can we help you get there? That is so cool to hear. And I think one of the things that you said that I'd like to dive into a little bit more is the idea of a credit union really serving one niche or maybe several niches. But can you give some examples of maybe those types of different niches that you've seen credit unions focus on? And is there a place in your mind for a credit union to maybe serve multiple different niches and still achieve growth, but having that specific focus at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. I you know, for anyone who says our ideal member is anyone that needs a loan, I always challenge that. And I, I start diving into, okay, someone needs an $800,000 mortgage. No, 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 we, we don't do mortgages. Okay, someone's got a, a 420 credit score. No, 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 we, we won't serve someone with a four. So we start diving into, so not everybody that needs a loan. Uh, and there's some really cool credit unions out there that have found niches. Columbine Federal Credit Union is one of them for for several years now, they've been serving the power sports industry, motorcycle riders, uh, some some loan products focused specifically on them, building a culture uh, around them. Even if you look at their social media, uh, everything is designed to to look at that that niche membership group, and they've done it. They've done it authentically, and they've done it well. Um, I think that's one example. You know, folks say the underserved market, and immediately you think bad credit, low income. But there's so many other niches out there that that aren't just that, that, that just aren't being served that the credit unions could focus on. That is that's such a good point. I think sometimes we kind of lean too far into wanting to be all things to all people, but forget that the focus is what can really help us to grow. And I know you at YMC really help credit union leaders gain some of the perspective on the problems that they're trying to solve for by asking those right questions, just like you said. Can you walk us through what that process might look like with something? I know you said you sometimes challenge these ideas that we have of, okay, anybody who needs a loan, but what does that process really look like when a credit union is working with you? I have one rule when we start. That very first day before we do anything, up on the screen is are the words, ask a freaking question. And that's, that's one of the biggest rules. Gain perspective and, and figure out what is the actual problem we're trying to solve. I use the example if we're in a boardroom and we say loans are down. It would be quick to immediately say, oh, let's do a, a campaign. Let's drop the rate 2% and let's try to get auto loans that way. Instead of asking a freaking question, why aren't we growing loans? What is keeping us from growing loans right now? Other people are. We're not. Why? 
and trying to fix those problems first, those obstacles that are keeping you from growth before you spend one more dollar on marketing and, and possibly even complicate those problems. I know it's so interesting when, when we do start to dive into trying to solve some of those problems that we're seeing. Change is maybe sometimes a problem in itself or change is so tough. And, you, you know, sometimes there seems to be like maybe a fear of change or just reluctance to change involved in the decision-making process. And it does feel safer to do what we've always done, but there's, of course, that cost to, to not changing too. So how do you help credit unions through that process of maybe what you might call removing the fear from their decision-making? There's two answers. Are you sure you want them? Because I hurt feelings when I answer this question. <laughs> I, I'm sure. <laughs> One is personality and ego. I find a lot of folks that are comfortable in their job right. as a leader of a credit union, and they don't want to rock the boat. They, they, they don't want to get fired. They don't want to create problems. It's, it's nice and comfy. And, and that leads to just the status quo not changing, which eventually is going to turn into much, much bigger problems, usually after that person retires and someone new comes in, and now they have 20 years worth of work to catch up on. Uh, the other is just lack of perspective. Uh, that's why I would say ask a question. Uh, a lot of fear just comes from not having the answers. There's this new idea that's presented, and it challenges our, our status quo, but we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what resources it's going to take. We don't know how to do it. So we immediately just say no and, and move on instead of saying, tell me more about that. Let's explore that. How much is it going to cost? What resources is it going to take? Or even the, the question I love is, if we do this, what is the worst case scenario? Mm. And if we, if we realistically dive into what that worst case scenario is, it's usually not so bad. And, and something I love that Randy Smith said, gosh, this was probably about 10 years ago. We were both early on in our our journeys and our businesses at CU Insight and your marketing company. I forgot which conference he was at, but he came back so stoked with this thought of fail fast and fail cheap. Do something, do it. And if we see it's not working, stop it fast, move on and, and use that as a learning opportunity. That is, I think, a, definitely a mantra that I have heard from Randy too. I, I love the shout out there. And uh, speaking of, we'll have to link to the episode that you were on with Randy on the C1 Set Experience podcast. So we'll make sure to get that in the show notes here. But it's it's really, to your point, so interesting too, because sometimes when we think of like personality or ego, I read a study, it was probably a year ago that I read it off to see if I can find it to link it here for everybody. But it said that first-time CEOs actually tend to outperform veteran CEOs. And part of the, the sort of philosophy that the authors of the study wrote is maybe because you get too complacent once you've done it before. You know, you're like, I know what I'm doing. I've, I've done this job before. And, and to your point, being able to set aside the ego and, and look for places to change is so hard, but so critical. You know, in, in saying that, as I look at about a third of the clients we work with, uh, about a third are, are fairly new CEOs in the first two years or so. And I look at the work they've done over, over their short tenure, and, and there really is no fear. They look at everything as being on the table. And, and some of the boards, all of the boards hired them for that. And about half of the boards start saying, whoa, what did we get ourselves into? The other half are excited that, that things are changing, their credit union's growing. 
It's so interesting too. And I think, you know, we could probably spend hours and hours diving into the sort of board relationship and the board involvement in some of these changes too. I'm curious too, what are those overall trends that you're seeing for maybe the future of financial services? Like you said, there's so many things on the table and, and it's cool to see those those organizations where nothing's really off the table. But what would you say are those big overall trends that maybe you're focused on at your marketing co when it comes to innovating for sort of the future of credit unions? Two roads I would take with this. One is, is member experience. I'll share this story. It is a credit union that I am involved in, and I, I will leave it at that. I'd applied for a loan because I wanted to see what is, what is the experience. We're having some trouble growing some loans. So let me walk through this process and see where in this is broken. And I, I discovered that I got a very slow response. And when I did get the response, there was a lot of friction with the process, a lot of information needed. For someone with a, a credit score north of, of 800 and, and a, no credit cards, you know, you, you look at what is that perfect member you want to make a loan to with very little risk. And the, the process to get that loan was so frustrating. So when you look at member experience, I think that's the one thing of, of legacy leaders there's a totally different way of doing business right now, and you've got to embrace that. And, and I love that. You might think it's, it's just millennial. Those millennials, they want it now. They're so demanding. One of the quotes I share in strategic planning, and I'll just add a little bit. I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's something like those entitled kids nowadays just want everything and they want it now. Yeah. And then the next slide that goes up has the date underneath it. And it was in the 1960s that was said of the boomer generation. Wow. And, and the older board members look and say, what? Wait, what? Nothing's really changed. Uh, you know, none of us want friction in the process of, of doing business. We, we just want it fast and efficient and a pleasure to do business with. It looks a little different for the younger generation, of course, but I don't think that desire to to have friction in the process of doing business with someone is, is there for anyone. And the other piece, specifically with marketing, since that's what we do, I've got these big words written on my whiteboard, redefine what marketing is. When I look back 15 years ago, when, when I started working just with credit unions, marketing was a lot different. We, we were doing a lot of television. We were doing a lot of radio, billboards. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have TikTok. We didn't have Snapchat. We didn't, email was not as big of a thing back then. Marketing is very different. Uh, so one of the things that we're trying to get our clients comfortable with is some of these new channels. You know, marketing isn't what it was 15 years ago. And as much as I'd like to say we can redefine marketing today and move on, I, I think every year we're going to have to look at marketing plans and redefine what marketing is. Absolutely. I, th I think it's so interesting too, because even the concept of marketing or how we tell our stories and where we tell our stories has evolved so, so much. And even the technology behind marketing, you know, it, we can track almost everything and it's just sort of figuring out what to track and with all of the data at our fingertips, what matters and, and how are we kind of keeping an eye on that and, and evaluating? I think you mentioned KPIs at the, for the beginning of our conversation. And I think that's spot on. It's kind of keeping that focus in mind too. Absolutely. And that's got to ever be evolving as well. If you're a growing organization, those numbers are going to change and you've got to figure out what levers do we need to pull to, to keep moving forward. 
Absolutely. Well, as we wrap up the show here, I'd like to have some fun with our rapid fire questions to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better too. And uh, this, this section, we say the questions are rapid, your answers don't have to be those. So if you are ready, we will dive right in. Go for it. All right. What is a recent purchase that you didn't know you needed that has just become something you can't live without? Uh, don't laugh at this. My answer is going to sound like an 80-year-old man. I'm an old soul. I'll admit it. <laughs> I was at a, an antique store in Asheville, North Carolina a few weeks ago, and I came across this uh, mid-century modern Woodard rocking chair. So cool. It's like this 60s, 70s funky looking thing. And I just thought it looked cool. And I got it home and I put it in my plant room, which is a whole nother story. My, my house was built by people who had birds and they built this bird room. It's like a big sunroom with tile floor and, and watering features in it. So I I hate birds, so I just made it a plant room, but I plopped that chair in there and I just look out into, into my backyard, which goes backs up to woods. And it's my favorite place to sit now. I'll, I'll sit there and read, sit there and drink coffee, sit there and, and get my writing done. I love that. I'm a big plant fan <laughs> too. And I know uh, Ravi here at Zero Inside, has, we've traded plant tips back and forth, but having a room just full of plants, although you hate birds. That's a <laughs> that's an interesting fun fact. <laughs> I don't hate birds. I just don't want them in my house. And sure, it, sure. <laughs> uh, if you can see the room, it's, it's just so weird. I can't imagine having birds flying around in there like that. <laughs> that's too funny all right next question when you hear the word success who is that first person that comes to mind for you and why uh i don't know if this is the best one but it's the, it's the first one that comes to mind i would say john ledger uh the former ceo of t-mobile working with credit unions i always share his story how he took a a fledgling commoditized company such as a cell phone company like t-mobile that had the worst service the worst coverage it was in last place. It was a company that not even Verizon or AT&T wanted to buy. And through his innovation and understanding member experience, which I, I kind of mentioned a few minutes ago, how important customer experience is in removing that friction, removing that thing that people hate. He took this company that, that probably should have just been shut down or, or merged into something else and made it a, a number three and, and did things that Verizon and AT&T at first said, well, gosh, this stupid guy, he's going to bankrupt this company. He's making horrible decisions. They were just very different decisions that made Verizon and AT&T uncomfortable. And eventually Verizon and AT&T had to come around and do those same things because people loved it so much. They were flocking to T-Mobile for, for those changes that he had made. And I, I look at that and say, if credit unions could get comfortable with that kind of change and, and rebellion, Holy cow, what could we accomplish? That is such a cool story. I love that. I think you're the first person to mention him um, as that person when you hear the word success, but super, super cool. All right, random question for you. What are you listening to most right now? I know you said you're reading in that front room, but what are you listening to? So I'll suck up first and say always the CU Insight podcast. <laughs> that's a must listen. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for the shout out. <laughs> if I'm if I'm getting out of the industry, if I'm if I'm getting out of work, it's usually WWOZ. It's a it's a public radio station out of New Orleans that broadcasts a lot of uh, New Orleans music, jazz music, blues. Uh, they just embody the culture of New Orleans, and it's whenever I listen, I can instantly just take myself there and, and picture a hurricane in my hand and the the often not so great stench of of bourbon street but it just smells 
like home and it takes you away from wherever you are and whatever is, is bringing you down that day. That is wonderful. We'll link to that in the show notes here for everyone. All right. Any books that you have gifted or that you think just everybody should read? I'm going to give you two of them, both very different. Um, one is called Necessary Endings. It's by Dr. Henry Cloud. And, and it impacted me a lot in my, my personal life. But as I read it, page by page, I, I, I like paper books so I can highlight and, and tab pages. And I think almost every page was tabbed in that book, which isn't helpful when I go to look for something now. But it's, it's all about you know, things that need to end. And you know, sometimes you delay those decisions too long and, and it makes things worse. Uh, and sometimes things end that are out of your control. And, and you have to deal with it. And, and personally, it was a very impactful book. But I think about that every time I do strategic planning, mm. when, when we as a credit union industry hold on to these legacy ideas that really don't serve us well anymore, but we feel uncomfortable doing away with things or, or having to say no to someone. Uh, and the other one is kind of a fun book. It's actually a book that I send to all of my clients. It's called Change is Good. You go first. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's kind of a good follow-up to the Henry Cloud book because change right. is going to happen. Things are going to end. And how do you how do you get comfortable with that? How do you deal with it? How do you strategically go through those changes? And it's a it's a fun book with a lot of short stories in it that that our clients love and, and we reference a lot in our, our marketing work. Well, those are wonderful. We will link to those in the show notes here for everybody who wants to get connected to those too. All right. Let's say the calendar is empty. What are you doing to unwind outside of work? Well, if it's not football season, I'm not at a Saints game. I'm probably in my kitchen cooking. I didn't say cooking well, but a couple of years ago when I was leaving downtown Greenville, I, I was buying a house out, just out. I just wanted to get out of the city. And I basically bought a kitchen on two acres that came with a house. The gentleman that had it before me put in this professional chef's kitchen. And, and I thought it was so cool. And, and I love cooking. But those nights when I come home and I'm lazy and I just make like a, a box of hamburger helper, I feel horrible using that kitchen to do something so awful like hamburger helper. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. I love that. feels wrong. <laughs> I'm also I also enjoy cooking but I would I would also say I'm maybe not doing it super super well <laughs> all right but we're gonna link to everything we talked about today in the show notes but my last question for you is do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share or final asks maybe of our listeners today you know something that that I always share in strategic planning something I share with my clients is something that I I always keep my mind on it's a quote that was in my elementary school art teacher's room. And I, I can look behind her desk and see this faded piece of red construction paper with her fancy cursive writing on it. And the word said, can't never did a thing. And, and at the tender age of eight, that was adult speak. I had no idea what that meant. But as I look back on that now, I understand that we decide whether we can or can't do something. Our mind limits what we can do. And I'm, I love to share this every moment I get because as, as credit union leaders, I, I think we get in our heads sometimes and, and we've got a root system that tells us what we're capable of or we're really not capable of. Uh, and I think it holds a lot of us back as, as leaders. So every chance I get, I, I try to really share that story and, and encourage people to, to not limit what you can do and just see what happens. 
That is a, a perfect way to wrap up the episode and, and really summarize it too in terms of the great work that you're doing at, at YMC and the, the work that you're doing personally there. So, Bo, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you stay well. Hopefully we'll get to run into each other in person again soon. And thanks to all of our listeners today for tuning into the CU Insight Network. We'll be back again next time. <laughs>